Welcome to the Soul Sessions Podcast. Deep dive into the causes and real issues underlying addiction, codependency, emotional eating, weight concerns, and the trance of unworthiness. Tune in weekly to befriend, nourish, and heal body, feelings, mind, and soul. And now, your host, soul-centered psychotherapist, trauma expert, and mind-body eating coach, Jody Gale. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soul Sessions with Jody Gale podcast. This episode is sponsored by my new Facebook group, Trauma Warriors. I would like to acknowledge traditional custodians of the land on which my office is based and across which we virtually meet and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to all First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening to this podcast. Today, my guest is Julie Hanks, and we are going to be talking about Julie's book, The Assertiveness Guide for Women. Dr. Julie Hanks, PhD, LCSW, is a licensed psychotherapist, coach, content creator, author, speaker, owner of Wasatch Family Therapy, and host of the Ask Dr. Julie Hanks podcast. With nearly 30 years experience, Dr. Hanks provides a safe place for healing conversations that educate and empower women to prioritize their dreams, revolutionize their families and personalize their faith. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much, Jody. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's wonderful to finally speak to you in person. Uh, <laughs> We've been friends online for a long time, right? <laughs> we have. And actually, I would say more than friends. I mean, you've been my mentor without really mm. knowing it. <laughs> so, mm, thank you. You know, thank I'm thinking you. way back to when you were on, you know, writing for Psych Central and you had your blog and you ran the blog challenge and I participated in every single one of those that you did. And <laughs> I think you had me guest post twice and I mm-hmm. need say to you that both of those things catapulted my business so quickly onto the first page of Google and I've been full ever since. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that, Jody. That makes me so happy. I love supporting other therapists and particularly other women. And so it makes me happy. Yeah, thank you. So would you just share with our audience a little bit about yourself and what led you to this work? Yes, I was born and raised in Southern California. I grew up as a people-pleasing perfectionist and really felt like I had to be something for other people. And so I, I really didn't develop a sense of self until my parents suggested that I go to therapy when I was about 14. I was really unhappy, had a lot of conflict with one of my siblings. I have eight siblings. <laughs> so conflict wow. was, was common, but with one particular sibling, I had a lot of conflict and they just said, you want to go talk to someone? We don't know how to help you. And mm. so I went, I started therapy. I also developed an eating disorder. And so I was doing a lot of therapy from 14 on, and then on and off throughout my life. And therapy opened up this world of intangibles, of thoughts, feelings, of thinking about my thoughts and feelings, asking myself different questions, and just an awareness of a sense of self that I hadn't been aware of before. Mm. And I thought to myself, I would love to do this healing work with other people. This feels like something that I'm called to do. I also was just because of the large family I grew up in was fascinated by family dynamics, by Mm. relationships. I loved psychology, sociology in high school. 
So I knew early on that I wanted to be in a helping profession. And and then as I grew, it just developed into real clarity that I wanted to become a therapist and help people with their emotional healing, like therapists have helped me throughout my life. I didn't realize that about your eating disorder history. So that's, I mean, obviously very useful for our audience today, because that's my main sort of audience. Yeah. um, Yeah. I don't talk about it often because it, mm. it feels like so long ago, but it's a really important part of my journey. And it's something I'm really proud of. I'm just really proud of my recovery. It was hard work. Yeah, absolutely. So you're here today to talk about assertiveness. Can you help our audience understand what assertiveness actually is? Yes. It's expressing your feelings, thoughts, needs, and wants in a way that is clear and kind and doesn't infringe on the rights of others. Very clear. So, you know, when we think about um, what would cause women not to be assertive. Yeah, lots of things. <laughs> there are <laughs> myths about assertiveness that assertiveness is aggression. Uh-huh. That assertiveness is mean, that assertiveness is selfish. So those are awesome things that get in the way of women being assertive. Women are socialized to be self-sacrificing. And so to really speak up and articulate what we think, feel, want, and need might feel selfish to some women in particular. So those are some of the barriers and worrying about what other people will think is the biggest barrier. Fear of disconnection in relationships is the biggest barrier. And in my book, I talk about how that's actually the opposite. Like being assertive is what helps you get deeper connection with people. Yeah. So that's kind of a myth, you know, <laughs> that it's going to create disconnection. Just say, for example, I've got a very good example, actually. I asked the neighbor, would you mind moving your trailer? You know, very politely, would you mind moving your trailer from outside my house? And the response was actually that I had come across that I was being aggressive in some way. So what happens with that when there's other people? Because I, I, I do hear that a lot with people once they start being assertive, that not actually everyone around them can can hear that, I guess, or? Yeah. So there is a cultural expectation that women will, will be compliant, Mm. will be more meek and submissive. And so not everyone knows how to respond to an assertive woman and being assertive is not going to create connection in every single relationship, but it will in the ones that matter most. Yep. So my guess is that Your neighbor is not in your intimate circle of people. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. And so it's like, okay, well, um, but being able to articulate those things in your close relationships can bring closeness. Not always, right? Some people, they don't care what you think, feel, want, and need. And then you have another problem on your hands. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, what we know too about families is that sometimes they can be very, very stuck. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. People do not like when you change. We want homeostasis. We want to know. We want to be able to predict how someone's going to respond before they respond. So we don't have to really work hard at the interaction. (laughs) When someone responds in a different way, we have to work harder to figure out how to reply. Mm-hmm. And so we don't like working harder in relationships. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so what I really, really loved about your book, look, I think probably 20, 
oh, it must be longer now because it was 1995. <laughs> the first self-help book I ever read was Assertiveness for Women. <laughs> and um, Oh, really? It was, yeah. It was one of those little Gail Lindenfield little sort of, you know, she had a series of books for women around mm. anger and assertiveness and all that kind of stuff. But what I loved about yours when I read it was that you firmly placed it in attachment theory, which as a mother raising two children through foster care and obviously as a therapist for many years, I eat, live and breathe. So Mm -hmm. um, I I loved that it was placed within attachment and that really got me very excited and that's when I thought, oh, I really want to interview Julie about this. So can Mm. you share with our listeners, please, what attachment has got to do with it? Yes, and that's the different angle of this book is that you think assertiveness and attachment, what do those have to do with each other? (laughs) But like I mentioned before, being able to know the patterns that you bring from your family of origin into your current relationships and then being able to identify what you think, feel, want, and need right now, that impacts assertiveness and that impacts the quality of your relationships. So past relationships impact the quality of your current relationships and inform different roles that you play in your family, gender, different things like that. And so the past impacts the present. And so that's important to know about in terms of attachment. But then there are different attachment styles in general, just three. There's a secure attachment, avoidant attachment, and an anxious attachment. And you're going to approach assertiveness and difficult conversations differently depending on your attachment style. And so recognizing What's your general style? And then what do you need to work on in terms of being an effective communicator and being able to assert yourself? It's That differs depending on your attachment style. I mean, it impacts how we are in the world, how we interact, what we expect, and how we communicate with other people. Yeah. So it's really, it's the foundation of all other relationships, isn't it really? Mm-hmm. So this podcast is aimed at women with trauma, disordered eating, and for those who don't feel good enough. And when I was researching for this interview, I actually just Googled eating disorders and assertiveness. And evidence shows that women who suffer with trauma, disordered eating, and low self-worth actually rank lower in assertiveness than all other groups. Why might this be? Well, My guess is that through trauma, through disordered eating, we learn something about ourselves and the world. The world isn't safe. We can't trust ourselves. We may not be worth much. And so if we have those core beliefs about ourselves and our experience reinforces that, it makes sense that we'll be less likely to express who we are in our relationships because the world's not safe and we're not worth it. Why would assertiveness be such an important tool for someone who is struggling with these concerns. Yeah, because what often happens with trauma is that we silence our our authentic self and have a false self to protect ourselves. With disordered eating, it's often we're not expressing our emotions in healthy ways. So we're, we're managing our emotions with disordered eating. And so assertiveness helps open up that avenue to be authentic and to use our voices, to advocate for ourselves, to protect ourselves, to set boundaries. So that's why it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just thinking about when I look back at my own recovery, I had bulimia. So I always felt like I was always sort of shoving down feelings and needs with the food and then um, spewing it back up again. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I really started to to speak up and speak out that I started to have any kind of um, sort of recovery around that, I guess. 
And I think that's quite common. Yes, I agree. So in your book, you talk about five skills that we need in order to build assertiveness. Would you explain to us what they are? Yeah. Let me just preface this by saying of the five, we don't get to actually saying the words until number four, which surprises people. Because when you think of assertiveness, you think of saying the words, saying no, setting a boundary, Mm -hmm. but that's actually the fourth out of five skills. (laughs) So the first one is self-reflection. So that's what patterns from my family of origin and my past relationships am I bringing into my current relationships that are impacting my ability to express myself. Mm. So being aware of what those templates, those patterns, those emotional patterns are. So that is self-reflection. So reflecting back and being able to understand, oh, okay, this is why I am the way I am. Mm -hmm. This is what formed me. These are the experiences that were key. And then the second skill is self-awareness. Self-reflection is about the past. Self-awareness is about the present. So what right now do I think, feel, want, and need? And it's amazing how few people can actually answer that question. (laughs) So it sounds easy. What do you think, feel, want, and need? Mm -hmm. But it's taken me decades of practice to be able to articulate that. That's really important because if we don't know those things, we don't know what we need to express and we'll end up expressing ourselves in ineffective ways or we won't say anything or we'll be aggressive, those kind of things. I just wanted to sort of interject there too because it's something you brought up earlier around women and I know certainly being a therapist for 20 years, needs, look, feelings are difficult but needs are even more difficult, (laughs) you know, because people often because their needs haven't been met, they feel so needy when they have one tiny little need, you know. Right, right. It's going to overwhelm people. (laughs) Exactly. And then on the other hand, they are very needy because they've gone without all these years without having any of these needs met. So I think needs are really, um, we all know about feelings, but needs for me is, is where it starts to get really tricky with a lot of women, I think. Yeah, thank you for that. So the third skill is self-soothing. So that's the ability to manage your emotions in a way that allows you to express yourself effectively. And with uh, people who tend toward avoidant attachment style, Mm -hmm. they tend to be disconnected from their emotions. So the goal with an avoidant style would be to actually feel your feelings, get information from your emotions. So your affect matches what you're saying. So you're not disconnected. And then with an anxious attachment style, their management would be more toward soothing emotions calming themselves down so they're not overreacting when they express. And then self-expression is that now we're at actually the words you say, the words you use, saying no, setting boundaries, expressing your feelings, thoughts, needs, and wants. So that's self-expression, number four. And then self-expansion is allowing yourself to grow and allowing room to be changed by other people's perspective and different experience than yours. Mm. So assertiveness is not about just running over people and getting everything you want. It's about, here's where I am. Here's what I see. What, what's it like for you over there? And, and allowing uh, other people to change you in, in expansive and positive and compassionate ways. 
Do you know, that last piece is so important, isn't it? I find that typically in sort of, you know, over the years, obviously reading that book 25, 30 years ago, and then working in corporate and being sent on those assertiveness sort of trainings, which <laughs> reading your book now, I'm thinking, oh my God, what, what are they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> It often does leave out that that sort of final piece around sort of community and connection with others and how am I impacting the whole, I guess. And the other thing I want to come back to is around self-expression. What I notice about a lot of other books and, and assertiveness trainings, it kind of misses, as you're reading those out, I'm thinking it actually misses A, B and C, you know, <laughs> the self-reflection, the self-awareness, the self-soothing. I know for myself, and um, a few years ago I worked for an eating disorder centre here in Sydney, and mm-hmm. one of the um, the most important things that they were, they were teaching the girls was to be assertive. But actually, they didn't have any of those other skills yet. And mm. it was actually terrifying for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they were being told, go and be assertive with your mother and your sister and, and whoever else. But, um, you know, as you're reading through those um, those other points, it just makes me think they just did not have the capacity for that yet. Mm-hmm. It's like jumping to number four yeah. instead of like laying, you have to lay the foundation. And that's what I saw. Jody, so much in my practice is that women didn't even know what they needed to assert. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what needs do I have? What do I think? I don't know. That's a really good question because maybe there's someone sitting here now listening to us and they're thinking, what do I need to assert? <laughs> so have you got some examples of needs that maybe they might need to assert? Yes, specifically with relationships is it might be, I need more distance in our relationship. I'm feeling smothered Mm. or, you know, I need more connection or I need more validation from you. When I talk, I don't feel like you're really validating what I'm saying. You don't need to agree, but I do need you to validate that you hear and what I'm sharing. So those are just some examples of relationship with regard to work. It might be, I need a raise. I have been working here for five years and I haven't had a raise and here's X, Y, and Z that I've contributed and it's time for a raise. It might be, I need more support to do my job. It might be in a friendship. You know, I really need you to reach out to me right now because I am feeling really depressed and I don't have the capacity to reach out, but I really need you in my life. Could you take the lead in our relationship? So those are just a few brainstorms that come to mind. Yeah. And what I'll do is I'll actually, I've actually got a little handout from um, nonviolent communication training. Mm-hmm. I might, um, I might see if there's one available online because it's got a full list of needs words there that might be really useful for the women listening today. I'll see if I can. Mm, I want that too. I love nonviolent communication. Oh, it's so a that's, good model, isn't it? Yeah. It's wonderful. Great. And back when I was in my trauma and disordered eating history, I'd be, you know, if I, when I first went to therapy, just say, for example, I came to therapy with you and you were helping me with all this. The first thing I would be thinking is, I can't do any of that. That would be selfish. If I was to say no, I mean, to say no would have just been horrendous because I was such a people pleaser, <laughs> you know, to set a boundary. I wouldn't have even known what that is. To speak up, I would have just thought, yeah, don't be so selfish, Jody. It just felt far safer to squash all my feelings and needs down with food. So I bet mm. there's women out there listening today thinking, but isn't that being selfish doing all those things? What would you mm. say to them right now? I would say, let's define selfish. Selfish is doing what's in your best interest without regard for others. So doing what's in your best interest with regard for others 
is self-care. So it's only when you leave out any impact on other people, when you're totally, that's not part of the equation. But, you know, it sounds like other people were too big in the equation for you. And they were for me early on too. And so it's doing what's in your best interest with regard for others. And that's what we're talking about. It is with regard for others that you can say no, because you want to be able to follow through. And if you don't think you can do something, you say no, because that's regarding them. You set boundaries so you don't build up resentment toward other people. You speak up because you matter just as much as they do. And, you know, so it's regarding yourself and regarding others at the same time, not one or the other. Yeah, I really love the way you frame the difference between being selfish and self-care in there. I think that's so important. Thank Um, you. The other thing you talk about in your book quite a lot is about self-compassion. And I know that, do you know, I think every person I've interviewed, self-compassion comes up, but I just feel Mm. like, especially people with trauma and eating disorder histories, we are so hard on ourselves. So I'm going to let you talk about it here as well. (laughs) So uh, why is self-compassion so important? Well, it's important in regards to assertiveness because we're not going to get it right. Like we're not going to always speak up. We're not going to always say things in the most effective way. We're going to be clumsy in this process. And so self-compassion, according to researcher Kristen Neff, has three components. And that is mindfulness. So being aware of what's going on in the present moment without judgment. So what's going on with me right now? The second is common humanity, which is recognizing that everybody suffers Everyone in the world has made mistakes. That's what actually binds us together. And when we're suffering, we tend to pull back away from other people. But self-compassion suggests that we go toward other people. And then the third component is self-kindness. And that's treating yourself as you would treat one who is suffering when you're suffering. So saying kind things to yourself, doing kind things for yourself when you're in pain. This is also a way to manage your emotions. So if you are feeling down or you're feeling depressed or you're feeling wounded in some way, you can practice self-compassion, these three aspects, and it can help you also manage your emotions and help you become more effective with your communication. Yeah, so it's really quite foundational, isn't it, to Mm -hmm. to those other points you were talking about earlier? Yes, yes. I think women listening are going to get so much out of this. And obviously, I highly recommend your book. So where can people find your book, Julie? And I, you've got another book as well, haven't you? Just sorry, before we, before we get yeah. to it, will you just talk a little, a little bit about your other book? Sure. It is called The Burnout Cure. And it uh, was written specifically for highly religious women. Okay. And yeah, so it's just about preventing burnout. And it's based on a lot of my clinical work and some unofficial surveys that I did mm-hmm. over the years of my practice. So the Burnout Cure and then the Assertiveness Guide for Women. And they're both on Amazon or wherever you get your books online. And then other resources that I have to offer is my website, drjuliehanks.com. Or I'm Dr. Julie Hanks on social media, where I post daily and interact frequently with other people. And then I have a podcast, Ask Dr. Julie Hanks. So those are some ways you can connect with me. Yeah, do you know, I didn't know you had a podcast. I'm thinking, oh, that's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's pretty new. It's it's from I think uh, February or March of this year. So uh-huh. yeah, ask Dr. Julie Hanks, and so it's basically a coaching session, right? Where someone comes on and asks me a question, and we talk about it and and kind of work through it together. Oh, fantastic! And so, tell me, are you still working with clients in your practice, or are you working more in, um, with coaching these days? Or yeah, I am doing coaching. I'm supervising therapists, so I own a practice in Utah, yeah. Wasatch Family Therapy, and we have four locations and over twenty clinicians. Wow. So I run and manage that. So I don't see therapy clients anymore. I do do coaching for women all over the world and some consulting with other therapists who want to build their private practice. Uh huh. So I guess if someone wanted to do some assertiveness coaching with you, is that something that you would do? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Perfect. And that's great too, that it's coaching, because I guess that means that you're not just working in Utah. Right. Correct. Yeah. I can work with people <laughs> all over. <laughs> yeah. I've always found that really, it's one of our problems here. Refer, you know, mm. If ever I've sort of found a therapist, even for myself, when I went looking for my therapist, you just can't get anyone in the States because of this silly state line thing that goes I on know. over there. So. I know. It's so frustrating. So coaching is nice that, that it, you know, allows me to work with people all over. Yeah. That's which fantastic. is really fun. Okay, so what I will do is link to all of those resources in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time today, Julie. I know you're super busy, so um, <laughs> thanks for finding time for me. Oh, of course, Jody. Anytime. Just delightful to talk with you, and I appreciate your invitation to be on your podcast. For the show notes, go to thesoulcenter.online forward slash Soul Sessions 43 Assertiveness for Women. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Soul Sessions podcast. Love this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. To learn more about how you can befriend your body, feelings, mind, and soul, get Jody's free 65-page ebook at thesoulcenter.online. Until next time.